0: You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. You know, God's got... He talents gives all of us different talents and abilities, and it's good when we uh, use them to... Um, lift him up and exalt him all right let's go to exodus we're going to look at uh the tablets being reestablished, and and i want us to main thing we're going to look in chapter 34 of exodus the character of god's kind of what we're going to focus on we know what all has been going on so i'm going to skip around to um just focus on uh, certain verses and uh, the first one will be uh, uh, verse 6 and 7 so Caleb if you want to pull them up so they can kind of follow along we'll uh, look at that but you remember the first two tablets were broken when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and they had met the people that had Aaron to build the the uh, the in calf and He threw them and broke them and destroyed them uh, there. And and so God did a work there. And now they're going to get around back to doing that. uh, Verse 4, he tells him to cut out two stone tablets. The Lord passed by in front of him, or Moses, and proclaimed. Now this is some of his character. The Lord, the Lord God, is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. You remember a week or two ago when I was talking about Moses caused God to change his mind, to move from the wrath to the redemptive side of him. And it's because it's the dominant characteristic that that God desires to show and revealed and that's what he's saying that's why that's the first thing he tells about him in his character that he is compassionate and gracious that he's not a god of wrath or stuff i mean people said well a loving god wouldn't send anybody to hell well he doesn't people choose to go by rejecting that god doesn't send them i guess ultimately you could say he does because you reject his way, but you make the decisions. People every day make the decision, especially those who know the truth and reject the truth. Now, you know there's going to be a lot of innocent people that just never heard, and part of that judgment will come upon the the believers who just failed to to uh, uh, share with them in in churches, especially that have failed to preach the gospel. But there he is. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. And he abounds. And this word abounding is is that this is the abundance, is that loving kindness and truth. And for me, the word truth lets me know that whatever he says I, I can take it to the bank. That's an old East Texas saying. I don't know if they say anywhere, else, but something you could take to the bank is something that was solid. In other words, it was it it had value, and, and a bank would accept that. Uh, in your monetary stuff, you know they don't wouldn't don't take wooden nickels and all that. Well, God's truth is what gives me the hope that i have and I, i guess that's why i'm frustrated with with the world because i know there's something in front of me way better than what i'm living today there's a lot of beautiful things a lot of beautiful people in the world but there's just a lot of craziness anymore and it just seems to be getting worse and worse every day but i know my god is always leaning this way But then in verse 7, he says, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity or sin, transgressions and sin, in other words, anything that puts you in rebellion, God's desire is to forgive and to show loving kindness to thousands. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished in other words there will be an accountability that all men you're you're guilty of sin to god they will stand before god you you're guilty of sin you've still got sin in your life but why is that sin not held against you huh because of jesus christ You're still guilty. You're still sinful. But Jesus has paid the price for that sin. Therefore, instead of you being held accountable, it's already falling on Jesus because that's what God desired is for them to do it. It's not that we're perfect people. You'll never be perfect. You're still going to struggle. And that's part of life. But the older I get, the more I understand when Paul uh, wrote and spoke about the things I should do, I don't do. The things I should not do, I do. He struggled with the flesh also. He, he understood that. The, the thorn in the flesh, uh, a lot of people debate about it. He never identified it. But my thought has always been that that was some personal weakness that Paul had that bothered him because he wanted to be rid of it and I tend to think that God leaves us with, with uh, one of those there to remind us that we are weak because he told Paul, he says, through your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Now, we shouldn't relish in that idea of, of being weak, but we should also neither let that destroy our walk with God But understand that uh, he uses that, and he uses us in spite of who we are. About the worst type of person I've ever seen in a church is the one that condemned everybody else and thought they had no sin because they're sinners. But a self-righteous person is the type of person that has no mercy or grace because they don't see themselves for who they really are. And therefore, they condemn everybody else. It's kind of hard to condemn somebody else when you're looking at yourself and saying, you know, I mess up too. And it's a little easier to forgive one another than when you realize that we all mess up and we come by grace because it's simply by grace. But then he comes up with another part here, and, and this is an interesting word when it talks about, and this translation uses the word visiting, the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Some would interpret that and try to make you believe that God judges your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren because of what you did. The more accurate translation is that the sins that you have will be carried on by these others because you are that testimony worse, because you are that testimony, and God is saying there that, that that's going to be part of, of of their generation because of what you've done. It's not that they He's going to judge his other. Every, every individual will be judged for his own works. But, but this the idea of visiting on it is this, this whole idea and conception that what you do, your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will tend to do that too. Now, does that make sense? Have you all seen some people? y'all some of you's plenty old enough to realize the generational you've seen some say a real good grand grandparent that was just godly man and woman and and then the first generation began to fall away from walking with god and then that next generation falls further away and next thing you know i mean it's like this boy mitch it was here uh see in his family somewhere along the way they have given up on the lord even being involved well he's not uh he's not an exception because we've got them right here in omaha the bible belt that are third and fourth generation i remember years ago we were handing out bibles and a 12 year old girl said What's a Bible? That was kind of shocking. Because that was uh, when we first started this church in the, probably about 2005. We were actually doing a float in a parade. And, and Betty Richardson offered a girl a Bible. And she she just said, uh, what's a Bible? Right here in Omaha. So the generations before her has totally walked away and and i don't know i mean you have to look at it but there's a real possibility somewhere down the line that there were some godly people there but it they walked away from it and that's what he's meaning right there when he talks about visiting that that it will be on them and they will be judged according to their works too so it's it should always remind us that it's very important for us to make sure especially that's why i'm really excited about these young people bringing their children or grandparents bringing their grandkids and stuff or whether you bring them you say well i i can't bring mine to church but when i see them you know what you can give to them on birthdays and christmas you can give them scripture you can give them coloring books and you can give them games and in all kinds of videos and stuff. Uh, it might not be the most popular, but give them something that teaches them and lays some groundwork there. All right, let's jump over to verse 10. This is God's covenant to Moses and the people. And now, what is a covenant? It's a legal contract between two individuals this is between god he calls it that he reflects on that it's a legal uh, promise it didn't have to be on paper but it, it could be legally upheld because his word and he enters into this covenant before all your people i will perform miracles which have not been Produced in all the earth nor among any of the nations. And all the people among whom you live will see the working of the Lord. For it is a fearful thing that I am going to perform with you. If you read this and you look at it. It basically says there have been miracles done already. Not all miraculous things are from God. Remember, Satan is a, an angel. Has a lot of power. Has a lot of ability to, to deceive and, and obstruct truth. And there are those people who serve him who are able to do miraculous things. Go back to, in Exodus to the court of, of Pharaoh. When Moses first went in, and he cast his uh, staff down, and it became a a serpent, what else happened? What did the magicians do? They did miracles too. Theirs turned into serpents. But the truth was, Moses' staff swallowed up theirs, but they were able to to do a lot of miraculous things that copied what god was doing but the problem was theirs were weak and in ill gotten and were unable to stand against gods they could turn water into blood uh, and, and do ver- a variety of things but god said i'm going to do and perform miracles which no one has ever seen and never been produced because I'm going to exalt you in ways that nobody has ever seen before. So he's promising them that in the very future that he's going to show things about himself that no one's ever seen before. You see, I'm a firm believer in miracles. I will never be convinced by any person that God doesn't do miracles anymore. The only reason God's not doing miracles in our lives is because we don't look for them. We don't expect them. And we just think God has quit. But I'm here to tell you, he still does them. There's one thing Jesus always told when he did miracles in the new testament especially the healing and stuff he said by your what an f word by your faith were you made whole in other words your faith is what caused these miracles to be done because you believe that god could do you remember the centurion that came to jesus and wanted his servant to be healed, and Jesus said, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. He said, uh-uh, You don't have to go because I'm a man in power. I understand that you speak it and it's done. So you just say it and it'll be done. He understood how authority worked, and he knew Jesus. To, and Jesus said, Whoa, I have not seen any of these Jews with this kind of faith. But the centurion had it because he understood that God operates in the same way that the authority of the Roman army operated, that when they said it, it was going to be done or else. And he understood that Jesus had this authority. Folks, that's why I'm I'm saying God still wants to reveal his character to people. And that's why I'm saying it. He does things to do that. That young boy is just one of those examples to show up. I mean, man, God sure was mean to him. He break his old truck down. His old Dodge run forever. <clears throat> they run till they break down anyway. But God, it it what the miracle was it where it broke down, it, in and. The day it broke down was just so he could be here to hear the word. And God worked all that out. It's going to change his life. going to change his wife's life and their kid's life. He's also friends with Corey who was here last winter and, and wintered with us and got excited and did that. He's in Toronto. That's how all this came about. So bar none's got a satellite mission In Toronto, Canada. And they follow us on Facebook. And here's another guy that's impacted. And all around the world. Because God still does miracles. Do you believe that? Okay. Well, if you believe it, you will see it. And you'll see that. Verse 11. Be sure to observe what I am commanding you this day. Behold, I am going to drive out the Amorites before you, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. These were some of the tribes who were living in the promised land. God said, don't worry, I'm fixing to drive them out. I'm going to use you and do some miraculous things in your life so that you uproot these people. Now, they were vicious people. And first of all, most of the Jews had spent their life not fighting battles and wars, but making brick and building and doing uh, either shepherding or or, or being in the construction business. They were not warriors. They had not defended. They weren't, you know, in their territory, his land, his home. And yet God says, I'm going to drive them out. Verse 12. This is interesting. I'm going to see if you think, if you can remember where they they messed this one up. Watch yourself that you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going, or it will become a snare in your midst. All right. That's what he said. He make no covenant with it. Does anybody remember the incidents that they messed up on? All right, with Joshua. they All right, Travis is on there. Remember, they had defeated Jericho. They defeated Ai, and, and these guys were watching, and they knew that they would be coming down the line. So they dressed up in old clothes, old shoes, Even the feed and stuff, food that they put in on the donkeys was old and molded. Their bread was old and molded. And they want to come and they said, we've traveled a long distance. And we've heard of the great glory of your God in the victories. And we want a covenant. Joshua's mistake was he took them for their word. And he thought they were from way distant. He had no idea. There's good and bad here. Joshua made a covenant with them, and he honored that relationship. He honored that tree, even though they had deceived him. So he's very honorable. But that people group has been a, a thorn in their flesh ever since. And that's why there's still today this debate over the Palestinian territory, because that's carries on from them messing up right here ongoing we'll be there from now people say well it's a Palestinian state no it's not this land was given to to the Hebrews in the time of Moses and they were to be ran out destroyed and taken away and they didn't Um, those of you who saw Queen Esther you know that under Saul, he was supposed to uh, kill uh, the, uh, the, the king from Amalek, and he didn't, and descendants later on would come to try to destroy all the Israelites under the Persian Empire and stuff because they were there. So they messed up on this one because God had warned them about this and they should have done a better job, but but they didn't, and they were deceived. See, Satan is always trying to make you believe the lie. He 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 does things in ways to deceive you and and uh Peter wrote in his letters to test and try the spirits. In other words, look and try them and find out their purpose and don't just take them because the the worst thing that happens to an honest man is he thinks everybody else is as honest as he is. And Joshua was very honest, very honorable. Uh, His word was going to be his bond. And that great characteristic ends up coming back to bite him because he thought the rest of them would be the same way. And, and that can be happened to Christians because somebody, some of them, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'll do this or that. You better find out what their definition of Christian is and what they believe about Scripture. I went to a Gideon deal last night And they invited all the preachers from all the churches in the area. And um, I don't know any better than just tell it like it is. A lot of them won't preach the truth. They're preachers. But their denomination and their churches will preach a lie. And a half-truth is a lie, folks. Or partial truth is a lie. And they won't stand on Scripture. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, the Gideons do a great work. I mean, they talked to, shared with us all the Bibles, they, you know, scriptures and stuff. And they go to churches. They depend on churches to help fund the work. problem is a lot of churches have quit standing on the on the truth and i hope you understand that that's why the only way you can determine that is you've got to know it you've got to know what they're preaching you got to know what the bible says be careful about believing what somebody tells you see when i got saved i was a Man, I was swallowing any and everything that even said it was Christianity. I got to watching Garner Ted Armstrong, listening to him, reading his books and stuff. Oh, man, Lord, look look at all this. And then I got to reading some of his stuff, and I thought, where's he getting this stuff? So I go ask my preacher. I said, what about this? That's one down there at Lindale. He had a big school, and oh, man, he had a tremendous deal. (laughs) Oh, get away from him. I said, well, I knew some of this stuff was strange because he, he'd talk about the houses that Jesus had, the wives that Jesus had, and I'm sitting there looking. I, where, where's he finding this stuff? Well, when it's all said and done, found out he was just a bald-faced liar, and he was deceiving people because he was some of the early ones on the name it, claim it, gospel prosperity preaching. You do this, you send your money to me, and I'll do well, and God will bless you. And then when he don't, well, you got some sin in your life. It's your problem. You didn't sin enough, or you, you did something. It's your fault, but keep sending me money, and then we'll help you get to where you need. That ain't what it says, know the word, know the word. Verse 13, but rather you are to tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, cut down their ashrams, Uh, An ashram was a grove of trees uh, where it's kind of like our tree huggers today. They worship uh, the trees and and all the good stuff there. For you shall not worship any other god for the Lord whose name is is jealous. Uh, He is a jealous God. Otherwise, uh, you might make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they would play the harlot with their God's sacrifice to their God. Someone might invite you to eat their sacrifice. Verse 16, And you might take some of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters may play the harlot with their gods, and cause your sons also to play the harlot with their gods, and you shall make for yourself no molten god. Do not intermarry with unbelievers. That's what he's saying. Do not intermingle. Do not dwell with them because they will change your lives and they will pull you away. That's hard because in a society today, we think we've got this idea we can change people. Let me tell you the truth of the matter. most people's faith is not strong enough to change them they will change you now that's the reality especially in young people and so if you've got a young person that's dating somebody and they're of a different faith or no faith at all you need to warn them of what's coming in front of them it's not that it can't work my wife married a heathen and luckily for her, God saved him. But she shouldn't have married me. <laughs> you shouldn't have. But luckily for you, God saved me, and now I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. But, uh, but really and truly, uh. Yeah. It, it's a dangerous thing to do because the influence they have. There again, look and see what history says in Scripture. When they did not drive them out, they did not tear down all their altars, when they tried to rebel and hold on to the various things, it brought destruction to the Israelites. It's still there today, Uh, and they still fight and torment over this. Uh, Right now, there is a big revolt because the Orthodox Jewish people have gotten power over the parliament, and they're trying to go back to Jewish law, which is very strict and very scriptural-based. And the worldly people are saying, "Uh-uh, we don't want this because it's going to affect the way they deal with homosexuals. It's going to affect the way they marry. It's going to affect with all their different relationships." But I see it as God bringing the the Jewish people back to Himself. Is why that's why I'm saying we're getting close to the end. Is you're seeing the, the, the Jewish law and the Orthodox rising up now being in power and therefore they're changing some of the things to cause the nation to come under Scripture. And stuff. so it's going to be some interesting days in front of us. But the world is in same way with you in our church. How does the world present that? You should be what? we should tolerate people you christians should show christian love we should you should love the sinner but you hate the sin don't ever don't ever give in and support that because what you're doing is telling them what they're doing is okay and they need to understand it's not and it's going to bring judgment. So, man, that's hard, preacher. God's word's hard. But this is what's going to judge them. This guy, this God right here is what's going to who's going to judge them, and he's going to judge them based upon what he's put in this book. And that's why I say it's important for us to know this book, know the character of God, and know that people are going to be held accountable to this. And sure, they can make whatever decision they want. I, I I can love homosexuals, but I hate their sin. I love y'all. I hate your sin. But we've all sinned. But I can learn to love you. But I I, I promise you if a, a, a guy that's a serial killer comes in here and gets saved, I'm all right with him. But I don't want him to keep practicing his sin. You know, a guy that comes in, here's a, a car thief, you know, that's fine. You can get saved. I, I'm all for that. But I don't want you to keep practicing what you're doing. You'll be wanting to steal mine. Do You, you see, that's just how ludicrous it is when when the world sits there and tells you, oh, you just accept them and just, we're all going to live in this fantasy world. No, we're not. God is a segregation. He uh, a segreg. Anyway, God segregates. Well, I, he is not an inclusionist. He gonna separate the goats from the sheep, and he's gonna put a great void between them. And and that's why you're not gonna be very well liked. So be careful. Verse eighteen. You shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The first one, that's the Passover. For seven days you are not to eat unleavened bread as I commanded you. It will be a point in time in the month of Abib. You all know about the Passover there, first month, the Jewish calendar. Uh, when they came out, that was the first uh, festival that they was observed. Verse 21, you shall work six days, but on the seventh you shall rest. And don't even plow, don't even harvest. You rest. You need that seventh day. There. And then he goes right in verse twenty-two and he said, "You'll celebrate the feast of weeks, which is Pentecost, that comes in uh, in May, fifty days after uh, the Passover. Uh, that's part of the first fruits, the wheat harvest, uh, the barley harvest, and stuff. And then, then the feast of in gathering." At the turn of the year, which is what we're entering into this very next week. It's called the 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 Tabernacle Feast of Tabernacles or a Feast of Booths. All right. The first two in the spring have all had New Testament fulfillment. What happened on Passover? Huh? Jesus was for crucified. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came. What New Testament event has yet to happen? The second coming of Christ. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that his coming will come during that week, probably towards the end of it. Now, is it this one, next one? I don't know. But I'm telling you, that's when it's going to come. And that's why God has a purpose for that. And we need to understand that. I want to jump down because it's time to quit. Verse 26. You shall bring the very first of your uh, fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. And you shall not boil a young goat in his mother's milk. The, The first fruits of the harvest were always dedicated to the Lord. The first child born into a family was to be dedicated they could be redeemed there was a process of redeeming them in other words uh, you didn't have to sacrifice uh th- these animals but there was to be to the lord we're not in the agricultural type society today but i've always had people ask me this well do i tithe on the 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 uh, gross, or do I tithe on the net? What's the first fruit? The gross. That That's where the tithe should come. I know you hate to pay taxes, but it's part of the deal of learning to trust God, too, that you pay your tithe only as a first fruit. And then let God work. There again, people don't believe God can take care of their finances. He can take them to heaven, he can heal the sick, and he can do it, but he can't take care of my bill folk or my check in camp. He can. But now you may have to make some adjustments. You may have to what he does. And uh I've got experience after experience of where he did things that I couldn't explain provided for things sometimes it wasn't provide for money but I know of a couple of vehicles he put me in way cheaper than the going price but just time and time again and then I look at what he's done through the years and and um, I've never made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, preaching at churches, my wife always got on me She said, you never bargain on them. I said, well, whatever they won't pay me, what are going to live off of? And we have. But God's blessed us. I hadn't missed a meal. People worry about this $3 on that. God blesses it. Y'all just don't know. It's it's multiple things. Some people put in a little extra to cover for some. But I'm always amazed at the different things that are provided and the food that's there, and it all works out. I mean, I always have enough money to buy food, and I've always had enough money to buy other things. I paid for this big 1,000-gallon propane tank out of food money. We get cash given to us. I, I don't buy meat anymore because I don't have to. But I pay for the processing out of that three dollars. I don't. I don't know. I'm sitting on a pretty good chunk of change in there. Of course, October fifth. Melinda's not here, so y'all know what's going to happen on October fifth. At least one of them's going to quit breathing and go to be in hamburger. Well, Melinda, you know what's gonna happen. Uh but uh the hamburger you ate tonight. But God keeps providing and doing stuff. People bring okra and we got some we got a bunch of okra we're gonna be eating on this year and stuff. The fish. We fed two hundred and Thirty or forty people in um, in May from men bringing fish and a few women, but and then we turned around and fed y'all thirty pounds of fish, or they y'all ate thirty pounds of fish while I was gone, and we still got a few bags left in there because God blessed it, and it was always enough. And and he's going to continue to do that. I can't explain it, other than it's just a God thing. But uh, he blesses us. We got a deep freeze full of food right now, ready to be eaten, and uh, and we do well. When it gets tight, when you'll eat straight beans and cornbread, you'll know. You'll know when it gets tight. Uh, there'll be. Chicken noodle soup with very little chicken in it. We had a hundred chickens given to us here a while back. Y'all ate those. But see, God just provides for people. And you'll just be amazed if you'll trust him. Because he's still there. And that's his character. Father, we do love you. We thank you. We don't always understand you. Because that's part of the challenge is learning to grow in our love and our relationship with you and and just learning who you are. That you prefer compassion and forgiveness, but you will judge, you will discipline those that you love and you'll never be taken for granted. You'll never be deceived, but you'll always present truth, and I pray that we hold on to that, and we learn who you are, and we apply that to our life. Now Be with us this week as we go out traveling tomorrow, and bless us on that trip, give us safety, but also allow us to impact some people's lives, and I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being who you are. We thank you for listening to Barnum Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We are located on Highway 259 just south of the four-way in Omaha. You may also find us on Facebook or the web at com. A place where we don't care about your past but care about your future.